Welcome to the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with Andrew Grimm and myself, Ellen Cherry, where in 24 enlightening episodes, we explore a question we've gotten asked at our shows during the course of over two decades of performing. Why aren't you famous? So, Andrew Grimm, why aren't you famous? I'm going to have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, I've been asking my, well, why aren't you famous? Um, I guess that's what we're going to explore. <laughs> And, but I guess maybe we should also talk about, is that the goal? Are we um, trying to, at the end of these 24 episodes, um, find a clear path to fame well, there's for no, ourselves? There's no doubt that this is a marketing ploy, right? <laughs> right. I mean, we're, we're, both, we're, we're both savvy, uh, you know, demographic-filled... Uh, Polished, <laughs> working artists and musicians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. constantly connected to social media with, mm-hmm. our, with our fingers on the pulse of... Um, of things that are hip, sleek, her <laughs> fing- fingers in the eye <laughs> of anything that's important. Yeah. No. Well, and this is our first podcast. Yay! This it's is, the beginning. It is the beginning. You know, it's all it's all either downhill or uphill from here. <laughs> you know, or in June Star's uh, uh, parlance, it's uh, it's our plateau. <laughs> I'm hoping to plateau for like at least another. Let's see. I started in I, the first album came out in 1997. So mm-hmm. at least for the next 20 years, I'd like to continue plateauing. Right on. Right. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's comfortable to plateau. Maybe that's I've already answered the question. Right. That's why I'm not famous because <laughs> I'm standing on a plateau and I feel like you've, eh. s- you've settled. <laughs> I've settled. I'm content. I've, I've settled for, for vanilla. <laughs> I've squished yeah. my ambitions down. Yeah. You know, the, the water doesn't have to be ice cold and it doesn't have to be boiling hot. It just has to be lukewarm, you know? So yeah. <laughs> in this podcast, we're going to be asking ourselves 24 questions. So let's just dive in. What is today's question? Uh, today, we're, we're, since it's the first podcast, we should define what we're, what we're seeing as being fame. When it's being presented to us, we, you know, what, what, is, what does that actually mean, the word fame? So... Uh, and we've produced two, every podcast we'll, we'll be listening to two segments that uh, Ellen Cherry produces independently, one for herself, and I produce one for myself. And uh, you're, you're just going to have to trust us on this, that uh, we don't listen to these until like the day before or the day of the podcast, so we can have fresh, interesting uh, conversation. It's like gotcha podcasting. <laughs> right, gotcha casting. Gotcha casting. Cool, got casting. And, but people are going to think that's Game of Thrones podcasting. Way to reference something that's really famous and popular you know, and, to try to get us off this plateau. Right. And every June Star uh, song is somehow like there's always some sort of Game of Thrones hint or kind of like detail that's that's embedded within the songs. And so Dang. if you buy all the records, if you buy all of the records, if you subscribe, I'm just I'm just telling you right now, I'm getting closer to the mic. If you subscribe. Because it's such an intimate experience when you're a June Star supporter and subscriber. <laughs> Let me tell you, it 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 it, it feels intimate. <laughs> it it should be intimate. I'm watching you get pretty intimate with that microphone. I am having a love affair with this pee popper <laughs> right now. Um, okay, this is getting dirty. Um, so uh, the first essay that you're gonna hear is produced by Ellen Cherry, um, and there is a little bit of a friendly, non-friendly rivalry going on between us about who's going to produce the better essay and i must say that her essay is fantastic so i hope you enjoy it thank you all right here we go
In the journal Nature, I read an article with the title, A Giant Planet Undergoing Extreme Ultraviolet Irradiation by Its Hot Massive Star Host. In summary, astronomers have called this planet an Icarus, named KELT-9b after the star it orbits in the Cygnus constellation, 650 light-years away, because it flies so close to its star that its surface glows with heat. Stars are categorized by a letter system from hottest and biggest to smallest and reddest. Our sun is towards the smaller end of that spectrum. So planetarily speaking, this is good news because smaller stars last longer before dying. I think that this is always how I have thought of myself as a performer, as a musician and an artistic and creative person. I could be one of those smaller stars who lasted a long time, had a full and varied career before fading out and leaving a trail of sparkly dust melodies and lyrics about my own life ringing through the cosmos. And this is coming from someone who had formative years in the 1980s. There were challenges, both personal and societal, to my achieving this kind of lasting effect, but it seemed possible. I think that's because humanity had not fully reached what I consider our current situation, the age of peak ridiculousness. Or maybe it's better to call it the age of constant static. I mention the time frame when I grew up because in 1982 there was a really popular TV show called Fame. This was a time when it was only possible to watch an episodic show when it was broadcast, weekly. And I was a fan. I watched every episode. I knew the words and the dance steps to the opening credits by heart. I could quote Debbie Allen, You want fame? Well, fame costs, and right here is where you start paying, with sweat. Those kids were in New York, and I was watching from my orbit in a suburb in Texas thinking, Okay, if I want that, I'm going to have to work for it, daily. I'm going to have to sweat it out. Fame is a test. Only the deserving will pass and get to fly so close to the sun that they shine. Three decades have passed since the end of that TV show. Few of the truly talented stars on it had any lasting fame, although some found something that I consider better. Steady work. I suppose I've been an astronomer myself, observing the stars that have floated into my view over my lifetime, marveling at their differing brightnesses. In these observations, the concept of fame has changed in my mind. What I see as being famous now seems to have a much different price tag. It doesn't take sweat or hard work. It just takes the willingness to burn hard and bright, flailing through the atmosphere. Less like a lasting star and more like a crashing meteor that is noticed, marveled at briefly and forgotten as we all turn our eyes to the next falling star. For my own life, I know now that I don't want to be dazzled. It feels like a trick, and a mean one at that. And I don't want to fall through the atmosphere and burn out quickly. I want to keep myself, and anyone else who wants to listen and observe me, warm, with a lasting heat that glows. So what did you think? Well, um, well, it's, it's, I really like that idea of, um, you know, it's the, the idea of, of, of burning or like, like, you know, how we, 
how we're we're presented with this idea of what fame is. Right. You know, looking at that the the fame television show, which I think is you know I, I saw the same show. I never really watched it religiously, except for the I guess the later episodes where they had the punk from from Britain come in, <laughs> and uh, there was like the big controversy between him and his old mates, and uh, they want to do all this punk rock, but he writes this song after dark. <laughs> And, uh, and he does this little like synth thing on it or whatever, and you know the the difference between um, the punk rock reality of things, and then there's the produced nature of Package. commercial. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the package yeah. deal. So you know, talking about fame, I hadn't even thought about that show un- until I heard your essay, and I was like, I was like, oh right, you know, whatever happened to those guys? Other than like, well, I mean, uh, Leroy just died. Like, what? I guess that was like five years ago well yeah so I was thinking about that and I looked them up and the the most interesting thing was that and honestly now because I wrote this essay a while ago I don't remember his name but there was one actor who had what I refer to as steady work but then the rest of them did not become these massive huge you know academy award winning packaged um products but some of them were continued to be dancers and have steady work as dancers and I thought that was revelatory to me because as a child to see that my definition of fame was this is something that you work hard, you develop your talents, and then you get discovered. Or, you know, you're walking down the street or you're just not even walking down the street, um, that you you just continue to work. And mm-hmm. there's a ladder that you're climbing up towards fame. And then you are going to discover what all the benefits of fame are, which we'll probably discuss later. What right. we feel are the benefits of fame. <laughs> when, we, when we ourselves experience it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That, oh, I can't wait till that happy day. But then to to realize thirty years later that what I'm what I'm as an adult now looking back at my my innocent view of it is that it's the fame that I've seen from especially in the, not especially but sometimes in the music world people are achieving fame because of stuff that I consider spectacular failing right. and not that failure isn't part of creation and also that failure isn't one of the most beautiful teaching moments that you can have as a creative person failure is built into the to the system of Mm -hmm. a rich and varied you know producing career but just to see people um there's the celebration of the flailing and the idea that um i don't know it's just it seems to have changed for me yeah yeah i can i I definitely can can you know because you're in the mix you're part of the part of the deal yeah and then also you know the the irony of the fame television show was that it was a television show yeah <laughs> that was what well, you know widely broadcast and it was a well, it was a, a movie first yep. and so you know there's there's fame well you know the object lesson of that is what does it get you and apparently not not a whole lot yeah at the end of the day um so that's pretty cool um the uh, we're gonna switch over to to my essay Yay. and take a little listen to that. Um, it's a little bit longer, but uh, here we go. Yeah, we're gonna find out exactly how good it is. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> Sometimes after a show, people will approach me and say, "Good show," or "Man, you're you're depressing," and sometimes. Why aren't you famous? It's meant as a compliment, no doubt. But it does get me thinking, yeah, why aren't I famous? Then again, I'm not sure their definition of fame is the same as mine. 
When I was younger, being famous was all about the movies and television, money and power. To be a movie star or a rock star, all I knew was the image attached to fame was a poorly behaved and overly indulged jerk, bloated from an excess of everything. Those whom I consider famous from a personal vantage are voices of humanity who have earned recognition from those who investigate their work. Their fame rests on the richness of their words, the intensity of their intelligence, the visceral visuals and the immortality of the message. They are renowned, known for great work, life-changing novel ideas that have informed and challenged our perceptions of who we were, who we are, and who we could be. We normally view fame through the artificially generated lenses crafted by people in an industry that is only serving its own financial master. And there was a time when fame was earned or awarded based on a person's actions or character. And in context, it's not fame, but history, legend, and myth. It had nothing to do with their weight loss attempts, their workout regimen, or how many units they moved. Many famous writers and artists were rarely recognized in their own time. But compare that to now, where rejection is unacceptable and our access to material is instantaneous. Before the advent of YouTube, Spotify, and on-demand programming, we had to wait for the release of these works. And after the release, there was time to digest, interpret, and appreciate. That adds to fame, or from my perspective, worthiness. In those terms, the weight of the past can be carefully considered with hindsight. But in modern times, there is no room for reflection. Only the present seems to matter for our American culture. Merit of fame seems to be more about internet traffic rather than the message that's being trafficked on the internet. Does anyone really care about the YouTube sensation Rebecca Black and the Friday video? And what that allows our culture to do is listen or watch for a moment while checking our Facebook and then shrug off whatever has been presented to us. If that is the case, then I would certainly not be interested in fame as our culture defines it. The trappings of fame are intermingled with commercial success, image conformity, and corporate branding. And as far as I'm concerned, in comparison, a nonprofit always has soul because that focus isn't the money and public acknowledgement of importance, but the good show or the work produced. All right, Andrew Grimm, fame defined. I took some notes. Oh, you took notes? Because this was the first time I had heard your essay, so oh, okay. I, I wanted to... Um, I think I really loved the idea of that no one can be rejected. Yeah. Because that was one of the things that I felt like I was noticing when I was my early exposure to fame and even watching the record industry as I grew up through it um, in the 80s and 90s is that there were gatekeepers mm. and you got a record deal and then you came to the surface um, in, you know, to those plateaus that, well, I don't want to call them plateaus because I don't know their experience, but like, yeah, how did I hear about REM, right. a, a band from Athens, Georgia in Plano, Texas, because they had a record label that distributed them and did radio promotion for them. And so they achieved a level of fame that helped push their very important connecting 
voice out into the world. And now we live in a world where people just don't, it is the whatever syndrome. Like, you know, you, you can click on something and it gets a view and it, even if you're not watching the whole thing, it's still your, that vote still counts for it. So nothing's getting rejected. Right. Right. Yeah. The, and I, I don't want to like make it like the, um, the snowflake type of argument that people have, like everyone gets a trophy. So blah, 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 blah. But it is, there, there is this not, but, and there's this kind of idea that we're, you know, there's, there is no gatekeeper. So everything is out there and everything is good. And, you know, you talk to, you talk to younger folks about what they listen to and they say, Oh, I listen to everything. I like everything. What? I, I don't, I, Oh, okay. I, I what do you think that is? Is that a fear of like being judged if you have an opinion? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or feeling like you don't want to say that you judge anybody. You know, that idea like when, when you talk to people who say something like horrifyingly racist or something and they're like, they're like no, 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 I don't see color. I'm like, mm, okay. I'm not a racist, but <laughs> however, insert racist statement. <laughs> right. um, yeah. And so there's... So there, maybe that's a little bit more of a pinpoint of what I'm starting to think that like the idea that without a competitive edge, mm-hmm. that's what is producing the two of us to, sure. or not producing, but, um, trying driving. to get us, driving us to get a little bit better at both of our craft over our, you know, 15 year friendship now that we push each other. We listen to each other's stuff. We comment on it, not right. cruelly, but we definitely <laughs> work to like, I want to impress you. I want you to listen to the work that I produce because I respect your opinion and right. and and like it, and also ask questions in a way that a fan wouldn't. Um, maybe because they may not be um, as well versed in the production of music, but just to say, well, like, why did you make these choices, or can you push that lyric a little bit further? And the idea that there's um, this lack of rejection, right? Like this acceptance of everything, and that. For, for what end to be cool right well and, and when I, I when I was talking about Rebecca Black and, and the Friday video I, I, I watched that once when it came out whenever that was like 2006 I think or I don't even know when that came out but I remember watching it and I I'll was have like, to check my diary because it was a really important day <laughs> red letter day it was a red letter day you were like hmm maybe maybe me too Maybe I can be on there. I'm going to spend 24 hours watching this video over and over again. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe we should launch our own service called MeTube <laughs> instead of YouTube, you know? And, and Well, but it's this idea that, you know, her parents, the backstory is that her parents paid for this professional video and recording and all this other stuff. And then, you know, she can't, she can't really sing, or at least at, at that point she couldn't. Maybe she can, she can sing now. Who knows? But... There's this idea that, and and it's a double-edged sword. It's very, you want to be supportive of people. I mean, yeah, okay, you want to do this, that's really great. But then there's that cringe-worthy type of thing where you're like, I don't know if I would put that on, a, ah, you know, that's worldwide, that's forever, you know? Yeah. And then and then the idea that, that, that that's okay. Yeah. You know, that somehow we equate that with some sort of success, and then she's going to an award show or she's making money off of that which i guess is fine because the sucker is born every minute but but still i don't know it seems kind of cheap to me well if you're on the naca circuit which is the national association of college administrators i think and you go there's a period of time i feel like in every songwriter's life um working songwriter's life where they go through like should i play the colleges Mm -hmm. and for a white female singer songwriter it's hard to get that work because 
there's a lot of white female singer songwriters on college campuses already when I was pursuing that in the right. in the mid aughts. And so you don't get books because they're like, we already have like five locally grown versions of that. Right. And so to to distinguish yourself from that, but it was difficult. But then to see, I don't know Rebecca Black's work apparently as well as you do, but to see people uh, work is a work is a very <laughs> Uh, that's that's an intense term. word to use for her. <laughs> a liberal description. Yes. Um, I don't know it, so I can't speak to it. But to see um, somebody like that getting ten and $15,000 bookings from colleges just sure. to simply appear because of YouTube fame is incredibly disheartening. Sure. And the time that you waste feeling sorry for yourself right. in your house for maybe two to five years right, right. <laughs> could be better spent on... Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know Rebecca Black had that big of an impact on you. Like <laughs> I'm just two to joking. three years. I'm talking about other people. Oh, oh, right, of course. Yeah. So, oh, is that like so when you're when you're trying to do the NACA thing when you said you know I, you know I'm Ellen Cherry and and then like oh well we already have Helen Raspberry coming in next <laughs> right. week and you dang know, it that dang you Helen Raspberry you're the worst Patricia Mango I don't know Patricia Mango <laughs> I'm I'm digging those names <laughs> right you know. So I think the thing that we're <laughs> the thing that we we both referenced both referenced in both of our essays are that our personal perceptions and definitions of fame changed. Yes, we had early definitions that we understood that we thought were going to hold fast as we entered these careers, which were both results of mass media, right? And mm-hmm. and American popular culture in right. the '80s, and then to be Oof. in 2017 and to look at what what fame seems to be today um as an adult and as a working artist and musician it's i i don't know that's it's it was interesting that it was present in both of our essays to me well maybe maybe the idea is that fame or the idea of fame or that even the ideas of success or all these things that we talk about all these terms that we use um they evolve with 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 normal people I, i hope um with maturity as you grow older, you, you, if you think about the 80s and you're 12 years old and you're watching fame, right? And you're going from fifth grade to sixth grade and you're, you know, you, you have the, the, the hormone thing and puberty stuff starts happening. And then like, and the world is so amplified and magnified and in your face. And it's mm-hmm. all like, you know, this is your last day on earth and this is the biggest thing ever. And, you know, does anybody like me and blah, 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 blah. And it, the reason I never taught middle school is because those children are ravenous demons that will <laughs> gnaw at everything true and good in the world. And um, <laughs> I had bad experiences teaching. Bad experiences going through middle school and bad experiences teaching middle school never again. But, but that idea is like as you get older and you start to understand that the world is not this focused laser beam on you but it's it's a much larger view of light and it and as the world gets a lot bigger and you start seeing different things you start hearing about different bands or you hear about different types of movies or books or poems or all those other things or whatever you start thinking to yourself huh well wait a second <laughs> maybe i should be trying to seek out things that aren't necessarily famous just because it's on the radio yeah played ad nauseum doesn't mean it's good. So that to me is like the double-edged sword or whatever, double edges. It doesn't, sword seems so like death-oriented. A uh, double sharpened pencil. <laughs> of 
the internet because it serves exactly that purpose. Mm -hmm. Like we can seek out these things that aren't necessarily famous, but are rich and interesting. But the way that I feel like it sort of has gotten in a really brief time perverted by marketing Uh is that really Uh um, capitalist focused smart people figured out the way to monetize it in the same way that television. Not only did they monetize it, but check it out, going full circle. There's a gatekeeper. Yeah. You know, Google is a gatekeeper. Facebook is a gatekeeper because they can fashion what you see first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Yep. And so therefore, you know, when Google forms its record company or whatever, or YouTube has its record company and all this other stuff, they can prioritize how you see content Uh, and they could bury other content if they really wanted to. Um, And now that we live in a world where regulations are a thing of the past, they can do whatever they want, I suppose. I mean, but also you're you're right about the double-edged thing because you and I are, are, you know, I guess we could say self-published. I don't. I don't feel ashamed of that because who needs a label? Um, and uh, MCA, if you're listening. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for your call. I'm, I'm waiting for your call. I'm, I'm still here. Uh, info at junestar.com. Um, but like we, we publish so much stuff online and even this podcast. Yeah. I mean, we're it's going to go on iTunes. It's going to go on Spotify. It's going to go on all these other services and platforms out there. So I don't know. I'm getting away from the. It's okay. Of fame. No, I feel that we have um, we have started this, and it's good. We've, yeah. we've begun the conversation, and that the <laughs> the key is not to answer the question. You know, Andrew Grimm, why aren't you famous? In one podcast, it's yep. to explore done and done the, the idea, and I think <laughs> this is the first step in that we have sure. defined that fame has changed, and I personally feel that I wasn't willing to adapt. Or wasn't capable to adapt to the way that fame has changed um, even 10 years ago, in my opinion, to to push me off a platform that I'm on. Right. And I think part of it is of some of the reasons that we're going to explore in future podcasts of, um, of why that is. Sure, sure. Yeah, the idea of, you know, I, I think like fame and worthiness, um, you know, people who are famous, I, I think the initial work is always probably well, i don't know I, boy i can't even say that because i heard the chain smokers once and i was like these guys are terrible or florida georgia line like those guys are terrible i mean there is like they're they're terrible songs or i mean i i guess they can sing if, if you take autotune off i'd be interested to hear what it sounds like but but um but you just mentioned two groups that i have never heard of you've never heard of florida georgia line oh I, you know, don't judge. <laughs> I'm, I, I, no, I'm judging them. I'm not judging you. I'm, pr- I'm proud that you haven't, haven't heard Florida Georgia Line. You could fill the internet with what I don't know. <laughs> huh. That's an interesting, let, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot, girl. But you know a lot about military history. I know some. Some. Well, that was your major in college. <laughs> Let's not. Why are we going there? Well, because you know we're we're also supposed to be you know we're we're doing a really good job of staying on focus, but we're also supposed to be somewhat entertaining. <laughs> and, and, and other, this is this is where we dance for our. Da 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 and also to to um hopefully um, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, yeah, if people have bothered to listen this long into it. <laughs> Like it's been twenty five minutes. Who's still with us? Who are you guys still out there? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, well, okay. So, fame defined. We've talked about fame, and uh, there will be comment sections on our. Uh, I think we should do comments and stuff like that on our, on our website. We haven't really filled that stuff out, but by the time this airs, it'll all be taken care of. 
Um, and we'll let you know where you can find all that stuff. I think it's going to be uh, WAYF.org. Uh, okay. I think that's what we should really go for. But uh, but if you want to join in the conversation, I think we'll we'll create a Facebook group and some other stuff too, and, yeah. and have it be a private group that you have to join. But but still, like you know, we're interested in and in, in interacting because we this should be a two way type of process. And I think um, not to um, in, can inflate the conversation, but even when you were talking a few minutes ago about worthiness and. Um, the gatekeepers, the current gatekeepers, we have um, politics that are now driven by fame. Sure. And so that is um, much to the detriment, I think, of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. so I feel like, and if you hear that sound, it's Andrew Grimm pouring coffee. Yeah. I'm, I'm not... Uh, <laughs> Urinating I'm, I'm, near the microphone. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not wearing a lavalier or doing an a la naked gun uh, <laughs> extended urination uh, gag yet. <laughs> I'm so excited that Urination made it into our first podcast. <laughs> like mom, I said, there's nowhere to go but up. Mom and Dad are going to be so proud. They are. They um, are. So the next segment of the podcast, yes. after we um, each debut our own individual uh, definitions and, and personal essays, is that we are going to highlight something that we think should be famous. Mm-hmm. And um, the caveat is that we have no idea, maybe if it already is famous to some people, and they're like, I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> or... Um, cause that's how you always say that when you're like judging right. somebody like, I can't believe it. <laughs> how, how did you, how could you have missed that? And whatever. It's like totally huge on like, this. Shaw. <laughs> like. <laughs> so yeah. what we're going to do is, um, present something for you, the listener that we think is worthy of your time mm-hmm. and fun to listen to and interesting and possibly a, an associate of ours or a friend of ours or just something that we happen upon that we think is good and um, thinks and we think that you should listen to. It's worthy. It's worthy, <laughs> right? It's worthy of the fame that it deserves. So speaking of, why don't you talk about this track we're going to play? Okay, so we're going to play a track by uh, a, a two-piece band called Saddle of Centaur. Uh, they're from Baltimore and... Uh, it's two piece, uh, two ladies uh, playing some some pretty uh, pretty <laughs> aggressive punk rocky type of stuff. What they can do that while also having vaginas? Well, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm you're glad I said urination. I'm glad you said vagina. Oh, it's gonna be in every episode. <laughs> oh, you know we didn't. That wasn't in the production notes. Uh, okay. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. Um, so. Uh, I, I, I work at the wind-up space, and I run sound, and um, I, I know these, uh, these women from uh, other bands as well, and uh, I, the, uh, the guitarist for Saddle of Centaur uh, plays in, um, also plays in Santa Labrada, I believe, I think. I could be wrong. I am wrong. <laughs> that's, that's another woman named uh, Do they all look the same to you? <laughs> Do all women look like oh, yes, you? all women. All women, they all look like my mother. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, back to Saddle of Centaur. Back to Saddle of Centaur. Right. So, um, but the, the track we're going to hear is from their uh, EP called Six Pack. And um, they, uh, the, the song is called Tampon Tea. So why did you pick this song? I picked this song because um, when, I, when I hear a lot of uh, music, you know, if something stands out to me that... I would have never thought to do in in my life ever. 
I'm like, wow, that's like, okay, cool. I hadn't, I, you know, I'm, of course, I don't know many guys who are writing songs about tampons, and I'll leave that up to women to write about those. That's fine. But it was like, I heard it, and I, I found it hysterical at the same time as I found it rocking. And uh, so then I, I looked it up on Bandcamp, and I listened to it online. And it was, you know, because you can't hear all the words exactly articulated on stage <laughs> when there's, like, raging amplifiers going on. But uh, but what was really cool about it is just that it's um, it's what I, I, I approached them later and, and told them that it's like the dirty dirty deeds done dirt cheap via Baltimore. Nice. And that's exactly what it's all about. So enjoy Tampon Tea. We'll come back and talk a little bit about the song after um, after I'm done belching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but after we listen to the song, we'll have a, a really quick discussion about it and see what we really like about it. All right, cool. Okay. All right, here we go.
right. So that was Saddle of Centaur with Tampon T, a Baltimore-based <laughs> duo, rocking it out, super compressed, beautiful guitars, great vocals, a breakdown section. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why I'm describing the song like you just heard it, <laughs> but the mm. last line is, what is it? Bruin it up for my enemies, or this is for my enemies? Oh, uh, yeah, this is for my enemies. Man. That's awesome. I, I wish I had the ovaries to um, <laughs> end a song like that. <laughs> wow. You know, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody, like, you know, say, man, I would, that, that person's got some ovaries on her. They do, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I I love the little breakdown in the middle where the guy is like sipping the tea. <laughs> he does that. He's like, "What? What is this exactly?" Right? And he's like, two. And then he he says some cuss words. So yes, um, I uh, um, I we will probably have to put a warning that this does have some explicit yes lyrics in it. We'll put the little the 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 enticing red explicit <laughs> rectangle that says explicit on it. Even the word rectangle sounds explicit. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I, my personal belief of why that song should be famous is that it's humorous, it's funny, it's informative because mm. they talk about the, a woman's cycle being thirty days. <laughs> it's, it's they mention fallopian tube. So, you well, know, well, they call it the fallopian maze. <laughs> fallopian maze. So, somebody might be curious to learn more about female anatomy, which I think is really important. There's a spirit of fun about it. There's also like. One of the most unifying, or not most unifying, but I think personally, like a unifying emotion, which is like jealousy, um, mm-hmm. wanting revenge without really hurting anybody. No, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I thought it was so the, great. The, the implication is it's pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, it's interesting because to have a song, I appreciate that our pod, um, our podcast, <laughs> our pod, our podcast is celebrating Something, you know, that um, is sort of considered taboo. Talking about menstruation. And using it as a weapon. <laughs> using it, <laughs> using it as, a, as an agent of vengeance. Uh, yes, it's very subversive. I think that's why I like it. Maybe it's subversiveness. Well, so. and, and right now, I think collectively, and this is no slight on Saddle of Centaur, because I, I, I love those women. Um, they... Uh, uh, the drummer Kathy has like the world's most amazing, wonderful smile and stage presence as well. It's really she's really entertaining to watch. Um, but sh- uh, the the right now collectively, I think we've had the longest discussion about tampon tea than than anybody else ever. Yeah. So it's a historic podcast in many many ways, but also like the fact that. I haven't done research on it yet, but I'll, I'll go ahead and take a look to see if tampon tea is actually something that people do, because I'm I, now I'm curious. Because then, if, if okay, if, that's all you, because I'm not interested in doing that at all. Well, you, you know, don't cur- share that information with you, me. Weren't, weren't you talking about how you're, you know, the curiosity of America? Yeah, no, I'm glad. So let's be let's be curious, because if if not, then that means that they came up with it, and that's hysterical. I know. It's like, hmm, how can I get back? You know what? I know, I know exactly how to get back an unwanted guest. 
uh, uh, your girlfriend's new old or old your ex. Your new girlfriend's uh, ex. Old, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Uh huh. And that's why I think. I mean, we were asking the the purpose of this podcast was for us to personally explore the question of why aren't you famous? But that's something that we're like, why isn't that famous? Yeah. Why isn't that song famous? That should be knocking whatever Taylor Swift's you know new song off the top of the charts. <laughs> what a different world we would live in. <laughs> <laughs> I dare dare say better world. I think so too because like there's a sense of humor in it and mm-hmm. you can tell that and just by you referencing her joy in performing it that there is yeah. a, a lightheartedness and also just fun that um when I said age of peak ridiculousness in my in my essay that I it, it it's more actually the age of static there's so much static that it's it feels like it can wear you down. And this song to me, I mean, we were listening to it and I was just sitting here laughing the whole time and enjoying it so mm-hmm. much. And it just, get, it's pure joy. Yeah. That's why I think it should be famous. Sure. Pure Absolutely. joy. Yeah, it's worthy. It's worthy. 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 <laughs> tampon tea is worthy. Earl tea tampon. That's with the Earl tea gray. Anyhow. Um, so the, the, the last, the final segment of each podcast is we're talking about um, because we are actually a little bit more savvy in our marketing than we let on. Um, we are booking a tour in March of 2018. And the tour is looks like it's going to be about a three-week tour. And we, uh, we're fast approaching. This week we have to do this. We have to apply to South by Southwest. Yep. Um, so we're, we're both going to apply to South by Southwest. And, and we're both looking forward to getting our rejection emails. Rejected. <laughs> not you. You're not good enough. I was um, rejected like five or six years in a row from that festival. So I'm looking forward to adding it, getting back into the swing of things with South by Southwest and continuing my streak of rejections. Yeah, I, I got rejected twice. And then, then they started sending me emails like, hey, get the early bird registration. In, and I told them to cram it. <laughs> I, I send, I, I've, I've sent several emails, like angry emails to people. Like Guitar Center keeps sending me emails like uh, Andy Greenfield uh, of... Uh, Guitar Center keeps sending me emails like, hey, Andrew, how can we get your business back? And I reply to him every single time. I will never set foot in one of your stores ever again to buy anything. I might go in there to look at something because I want to see what it is, but I will never give you another dime of my money. Please take me off your list. Okay, and, you're, you're veering into another podcast. Sorry, I'm getting angry. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm so mad right now. So, um, so, so. Back to our tour. Back to our tour. Um, we are, uh. We're going to put the tour routing online and all this other stuff. But the first first step of this is to kind of talk about where we're going to go first. And the first logical place for us to go is going to be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, PA. Mm-hmm. The last time we played Pittsburgh, uh, it, uh, we were going out to Chicago. And Ellen, and we played at Needs Hotel. Needs Hotel. And, which is an old man bar with uh, the drop ceiling and like, you know, the five cent beer. It was such a good beer. gig. And uh, there are all these salty old Pittsburgh guys with these beards and stuff. And and Ellen Cherry proceeded to play for 45 minutes about feminine feelings <laughs> and getting in touch with like, you know, what does it mean to be a woman? And uh, that was really, it was. <laughs> it went really well. It went really well. You know, everyone shared I pulled out their inner feminists. You did. Extracted them. You extracted them for your own girl power. My own feminist tea. <laughs> I pulled out their inner feminist to create my own feminist tea in Pittsburgh, PA. And I think Needs Hotel was like the hot fish sandwich or something like that. that was like the big deal. That was the special. It's like it's they're famous for that. Famous, the famous fish. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we caught at the creek right outside the 
for so us. So when this airs, we are going to be searching for a gig in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. Or surrounding areas. Now, the funny thing is, and this is true, um, I was just on Facebook and my one of my contacts in Pittsburgh, he's kind of like, like, this is going to sound stupid, but I'm the Andrew Grimm of Baltimore, but I'm also the Brian Quaid of Baltimore. I'm the Don Dupree of Baltimore. I'm the Matt Monta of Baltimore, which means that... I have lots of connections and can get lots of shows for people and stuff like that. And I have lots of people calling me and emailing me all the time asking if I can set up a show. So Brian Brian McQuaid is in uh, Pittsburgh, and he just posted on Facebook, you know, you would think after 12 years I would, you know, I, I would have much more, like, success or whatever. I mean, he was kind of, like, lamenting the same exact thing that we're kind of exploring at this point. And uh, I responded to him. I, I said, because he, he was talking about how he's such a nobody in Pittsburgh or whatever. And I said, oh, well, as Emily Dickinson said, oh, you're nobody too? Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's okay. We can all be nobodies. So we'll be contacting him about the gig in Pittsburgh, I Hi, think. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening, you're, you're not a nobody. Emily doesn't think so. No, she's dead. Repeat that quote, because that's a good thing to end on, I think. <laughs> oh, you're nobody too? Shh, don't, don't tell, tell anyone. anybody. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, I think it's anyone. It might be, don't tell anybody. We'll look it up. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. I should know this stuff. <laughs> it's okay. Anyhow, um, so where can we find Ellen Cherry stuff? You can find Ellen Cherry stuff, all things Ellen Cherry, at www.ellencherry.com. All right. What cool. about you, Grim? Uh, you can find uh, you can find my stuff at junestar.com, my horribly outdated website. Um, but also, if you're listening and you're really into this type of stuff, um, you can go to both ellencherry.bandcamp.com or junestar.bandcamp.com, and you could subscribe uh, to a, a monthly service where you get a whole bunch of exclusive material and interesting stuff. Uh, we, we don't sell each other's... Well, you could get some Ellen Cherry songs off of the June Star subscription, because I uh, from our big tour our cyber tour oh, we cool. did. Yeah. yeah that's still up there for me nice um so but um that's please... on my Bandcamp page too okay cool yeah. so there you have it uh you can get all that stuff there and uh you know thanks for listening and thank we'll... you for listening for this long yeah i know it's been forever to our little conversation it's been almost an hour and almost i really an hour. i mm. feel like i don't know how you feel grim but i feel like the first one went pretty well i think it did too yeah i think we're on our way off this plateau you know what <laughs> fame here we come <laughs> <laughs> so in the next episode we will be discovering or exploring another question which I don't know off the top of my head what the next one is going to oh, be oh it's ethos and egos oh that's right ego versus ethos yes which I still have not wrapped my head around I but thought I'm, I told you I, you have several times but I'm going to work on it so the next one will be ego versus ethos as we continue to explore the question of why Andrew Graham why aren't you famous oh thank you Ellen Jerry and maybe we'll figure out why you aren't famous I don't know <laughs> All right, see you next time. All right, take care, guys. Bye-bye.